0: Be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. I am so excited to talk about this topic of how to be more interesting. In fact, the art of being more interesting and what it takes to flex that muscle that exists within each of us that makes us stand out, that makes us memorable, that makes us be somebody that others want to be around. And so you highlighted the book, The Game by Neil Strauss is, you've said this a few times, you've said it's one of your top three favorite books, but even if it's in your top 10 or top five, that's saying something. So why is this one of your favorite books? And I I know for those who maybe have read it, or even if you haven't, the book is more geared towards relationships, but we're going to talk about it with a twist and we're going to reimagine the concepts really just generally, whether or not you're trying to find a significant other or if you're trying to find and build relationships. So why this book and why is this the topic for today's live?
1: Absolutely. You know, first of all, I, I find Neil Strauss just as a human being really interesting because Neil made a decision in, at the time where he wrote the game to go on this quest to be the world's best pickup artist. And it's fascinating just to watch him detail in excruciating detail what that journey was like for him from the moment he began the book until the end. And that's what ended up garnering the success that it did. In terms of the interest for me, what I find fascinating about Neil's work is a lot of what he shares in the book is easily transferable into every other type of relationship we're trying to build. Friendships, business partnerships, the people around us, or just people we haven't met yet. How do we build that rapport with them? How do we get them interested? And it's really a book about human psychology, Mm. to understand what humans actually desire, what they actually want to see in other people, but don't want to say it. And I think that's what's interesting about Neil's work in general.
0: Okay, so let's get right into the meat of it. What are some of the core concepts that stand out that someone listening or watching right now can actually implement and apply in their own lives?
1: Absolutely. So I would say the first thing is this idea of peacocking. So peacocking is a term that Neil uses in the book to describe someone who stands out either stylistically or the way that they lead with conversations. So, whether that person is at a library or a restaurant or any type of event, you just know that's the person. And we we know that person, right, in our lives. Mm. The life of the party, you know, that person's always called that. Whenever this person's at a party, you know they're there. Oh, you got to talk to this. What makes them the life of the party? What makes them that? How did they earn that title? Mm. Well, how Neil explains this is two key areas. Either they're stylistically different. So, like ever since I read the book, I started dressing better. I I never used to dress like this. And the other piece is through conversations. What does that mean? Conversations means not being afraid to share your own opinion about topics and issues that you feel strongly about versus being vanilla all the time. Because if you're Mm -hmm. vanilla all the time in how you share ideas and how you add conversation, everyone's going to perceive you as vanilla. Whereas if you share actual beliefs that you have about the world, and often if those beliefs are controversial, even better, some people... Might not like you as much, but other people will start to really fall in love with who you are and what your your message is. So that's the first idea is to peacock more in your life.
0: Okay, so it's either stylistically or through conversation, you're going to stand out. And I think in either case, you're doing something that is different, that is extraordinary in some way, either extraordinary in that your style is different, unique, memorable, something that Stands out, or what you're saying, it does not just take a normal path where everyone who has ever interacted with you forgets what you've said because it's basically what they expected you would say. Instead, you're saying things that maybe are your personal viewpoints that might go against the grain or might be a bit different or unique. Is that
1: right? Absolutely. Right. It's about not being afraid. To share ideas or thoughts in a way that if other people disagree with you, you are able to stand your ground and easily defend those ideas because you believe in them so much. Whereas most human beings, they tend not to do that. They mm-hmm. tend to disagree or worse, they tend never to share their opinions at all about certain aspects of things. And that's why those people often don't get heard. Right. So that's the first piece.
0: So share your opinions, bottom line, and don't be afraid to take a stand. Don't be afraid to have a POV, a point of view. And even if that point of view, and especially if that point of view is counter to what everyone else believes, a question that I often ask my guest is what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with? And so that's a question I ask my guests, but that's a question you could ask yourself. What is something that you passionately disagree with that you believe in? That What is something that others passionately believe in that you disagree with, right? And so, super cool. My wife grew up in this area called Arcadia, and there are peacocks everywhere. You got to be careful not running into a peacock. But when you see the peacock with their giant feathers up in the air, it's very clear that they use that to get noticed. They use that to find their mate. And so... In this book, obviously, it talks about it from the perspective of love and relationships. We're saying, in general, this is how you get noticed. Okay, so that's one really big point. Peacocking, let's go to number two.
1: So number two is really spending time to make the other person feel like a superhero. You know, I was talking to this amazing woman named Juanita a couple of days ago. And what she said really stuck out to me, really explains Neil's point perfectly well. And she says, whenever I think about people's lives and their stories, I picture them as if they're in a movie. And I stopped her because it was such a fascinating insight. Because I told Juanita, do you realize what you're doing? And she said, no, what am I doing? I said, you're subconsciously telling people that they're movie stars. Because whenever you're talking, let's say I'm talking to you the first time. And I would say something like, you know, Billy, I feel that whenever you're talking about your story, I can just picture you in a movie in my head. You're subconsciously sort of mm-hmm. telling them that they're amazing. You're adding value to who they are. But here's the other piece that I got from Neil that not many people understand about listening deeply and what other people are saying and how they're feeling or how they're reacting to a situation. Is listening, interestingly enough, also creates mystery. So let's say me and you meet the first time, okay, which I do all the time when I meet new people. I generally just let the other person speak. Like we did when we first met. Remember you talked first. I said, hey, just tell me what you're up to. And you you know, you gloated about all oh, your accomplishments. Oh yeah, no, I'm kidding. You're I doubt great, that kid.
0: happened. But we'll, I actually have the recording. So so we'll <laughs> see. Uh, that never happens. It's always the other person that goes first. But we could see, but I, I'll take your word for it just right now, but we'll see with the recording. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just messing with you.
1: <laughs> but you did speak first though. And, and the reason I do that is because as we're listening to your story, as I'm listening to your story, I'm asking you follow-up questions and you're answering them, your intrigue in me starts to increase a lot. But what I do at live events is I actually ask the questions and then I walk away. And the reason I do that is now these people get really obsessed to really know what I'm up to. Well, Brendan, you didn't tell me anything about you. I really want to know what you're up to. What project are you working on? And I always reply with, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, this, this is about you, like in your, in your vision, it was such a pleasure to meet you. And I can't wait to see you soon. So when you do this, I could, I just kind of have fun with it from Neil's book is what listening does is it creates intrigue. It creates mystery in who you are because people suddenly get really curious about what you do because you haven't shared anything yet. And that's another fascinating piece that I got from Neil in, in the context of what he did in the book anyways.
0: Yeah. And look, I think can't tell you how I many Zoom calls I've been on where It's a 30 minute meeting, 27 minutes go by and I haven't said a word about me. Yeah, you're really good at that too. And it's just an interesting dynamic. I haven't heard it put the way you've described or the way that Neil describes, whereas you consciously and specifically don't talk about yourself for the purpose of keeping that intrigue, which is an interesting component to it. And and it's a fascinating thing to dissect the psychology behind that. What do you think, before we go into number three, I want to make sure that how could it be done in a way where it doesn't feel like you are avoiding talking about yourself? Because I think that's the other component too, is you don't want people to think that you're, for whatever reason, purposely avoiding talking about yourself.
1: Right. And this is number three as well. It kind of trickle. I love the question though. The compromise that I put is I always like them to let them talk first. I, I like what you said there, 27-3, right? Where they talk for 10, 15 minutes, they really get their ideas out. And then sure, you can answer a question or two. So you're still sharing information, just nowhere near and directly as proportional to them. But to point three, because I think it ties in well, so you might as well go there, is being very comfortable with the actions that you take and the decisions that you make. Okay, being confident in the actions that you take and the decisions that you make. So here's the thing that gets people interested in you. And it's this idea that not really what you do, but how confident in how you do it. I could have been a fireman. It doesn't really matter what I ended up, I could have been a plumber, I could have been an electrician, I could have been, I don't know, insert career here, doctor. It doesn't really matter what you do, but how you communicate what you do. So if I came up to you and I said, you know, uh, public speaking is what I do, Billy, I'm a speech coach. It's like, you know, the typical accountant, right? Yeah, you know, I'm an accountant, I like numbers and that's it. There's not enough breath. There's no depth to what you do versus somebody who says, you know, Billy, being a public speaking coach is really important to me because of X, because I really want to help other people. So what you're doing is you're sharing your communicating values, who you are, and you're very confident in that. So going back to your question as well around, well, what happens if you don't answer questions? I'm actually very tacky and fun about this because I'm super comfortable in my skin. So people go, well, what about you? And I go, what about me? And they say, well, I want to learn more about you. I say, But you're the superstar of this conversation. So you don't need to know anything about me. I do this mostly with, uh, with specific types of people. But the key is, is through that, it's just my way of being playful. It's my style of communicating. But the point that I'm driving with, with this message, though, is be more comfortable being you. I like being tacky. I like being a little mysterious. It's more style. I like that from me, so I pulled it from there. But I think the lesson is the more comfortable you are in who you are, you'll attract more people towards you and more people want to know more about you.
0: Mm. Well, and it goes back to the very first thing you said with point number two, which is you make people feel like rock stars. And I think that's a really, really key point that should be underscored. Because when you make people feel really good about who they are, that gives them a very, not only a very good feeling, but it endears them to you. It makes them respond to you and be even more curious about you. So we've touched on three big points. What are some of the other key areas that you took from his book? And then we can go any direction we want because we don't need to limit it to to Neil's book. We go any direction you want. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this subject because let's face it, when we show up, whether that be in social setting, in business setting, you name it, there is a finite number of seconds, not minutes, seconds we have to make people, help people have a positive impression of us. Because let's face it, we judge people. Like, let's just be real about it. We judge people instantly. Everybody is forming a judgment about the other person in microseconds. And it may even be completely unconsciously or subconsciously that we're making these instinctual decisions on do we trust this person? Do we like this person? Are we interested in this person? All of these different things happen in rapid succession. And so it's incumbent upon us as individuals to think through what we could be doing proactively to create that positive first impression. And I think part of it also is a lot of people have the I, I, me, me syndrome. They're talking about themselves constantly. And if you count the number of I's and me's in their dialogue, in the, in the conversation, it's like 60, 70% of the conversation usually points back to them framing everything from their perspective. Even when somebody else says something about them, oh, my daughter, oh, I also have a daughter. Oh, this, oh yeah, it always comes back to them. So instead of doing that, reverse it, always make it about that other person. So I'll get off my soapbox. What other things stand out from the book?
1: Absolutely. And the I, the me is, I absolutely love that Billy, right? Because if 67%, which is all about you all the time, you're giving away too much information about you. You're saying too much. You're being overwhelming. So especially when you're having a first interaction with someone, someone's meeting you for the first time, the other person is just going to look at you and say, well, I guess there's not much else to learn about this person. There's not much else because they've already told me everything. So there's no more surprise. And that's why the mystery is so important. I I like it. And I got that from you. You're a man
0: of mystery, bro. That's what it is.
1: (laughs) Is listening often leads to more intrigue and mystery. But mystery is also surprise. And who doesn't like surprises? I'm sure you've had your own fair share of surprise birthday parties. You'd get up and your wife would be like, happy birthday. And there'd be like a bunch of people there at your house. I'm sure you've had that. Uh,
0: Nobody could throw me a surprise party. I want a surprise party thrown for me. But my wife will tell you she'll never do it because she knows that it's too hard to pull off. And she'll say that I have too high a standards. So it's, you I'll grateful.
1: You kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> she's a smart woman. But the point is, is I'm sure you've been surprised at some point. in your life, even if it was in the small way. Yeah. Right? It's like like the donuts we bought you when you hit 10,000. That did surprise me. Thank yeah. you for the donuts. Right. So, <laughs> as if it was you, me. You can, never, <laughs> you can never
0: outdo yourself. After getting donuts, surprised surprise donuts for hitting 10,000 followers on Clubhouse. It's hard to top that.
1: <laughs> it was a really amazing moment. But the key is we all like surprises. And that's also why the listening piece is so important when you engage with other human beings, Mm -hmm. because what you're doing, and Robert Greene calls this kind of like the power dynamic between two individuals, is the person who is listening, if you embody that truly, and you're the one leading that conversation, is the person who has the power in that conversation. Where you're learning about the other person, you're getting to know them, but you're not sharing anything about you. And then at the end, when they want to get to know you more, you have the option of whether or not you share information with them or you don't. And I thought that was fascinating because it's the art of surprise. Mm. Because the people that you're speaking to, I remember there's this one person I talked to, it was a couple of years, I still remember that conversation. And I just asked her some fascinating questions, at least I think they're fascinating. I would ask her something like, you know, if you'd have dinner with anyone, who would you have dinner with and why? And then she told me. And she went on this 10 minute monologue. She was like, blah, 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 blah. and then she was like, and, and, I, and she's like, what about you? And I was like, that was great. Yeah. Talk to you soon. I just walked away. And she just came back. She was like, what about you? And I was like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But my answers to the question, you know, what you showed there really remind me. And I just kept going on her. And she asked me five times. Hey, what about you, Britt?" And she kept asking me over and over and over again. After me, the sixth time, she got a little upset. And then I kind of laughed and I gave her an answer. It's just the way that I am. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun, tacky strategy. But the point that I want to drive with people is the reason why listening is important is not just because of the mystery, not just because you're making them feel special, but you're also creating a surprise in their life because it's a conversation they're not used to. Because most human beings just splurge out. They vomit everything out, all the information. It's mm, so true. Let's be different. Be the person who does. It.
0: Yeah, man. I love that. And I think there is so much value, as you said, the person who's listening is kind of in control. They're the ones far more in control than the person who's talking. So what else from that book stands out? We've talked about some key principles. Let's move on from the man of mystery component, because I think that's super interesting. What other things, as you reflect and think, and feel free to consult your notes. I know that you're an avid note taker, because you said you read this book. How long ago? And you got really detailed when you read it, right?
1: I read it a year ago and it was a full audiobook end-to-end. So I, I finished it in like two days. Amazing, amazing book. And to your point, Billy, the next piece that we want to talk about is, is it, Neil never really said this directly, but it was the mindset around this. So and let me explain the relationship context, and then let's bring it back into the business world. So he says that the biggest danger when you're in when you're pursuing a relationship is a disease that he calls oneitis. So oneitis essentially means that you're so in love with one person that if that person doesn't like you anymore or never had an interest in you, all of your energy is invested. And this is in in the dating context, right? Like Like you really like this person, but they don't have an interest in you. And it really damages your ability to date and to have relationships with other people because you just really want that person mm. and you really held on that person. And what I learned from that experience in the context of his book, that's why he's always, you know, his mindset is always, there are a bunch of fish in the sheep. There's a bunch of incredible people that you can have conversations with. So the way I've interpreted that to the business world is no one relationship is going to create a life. No one relationship totally. is going to create your your life. And and when you only rely on one person or two people or a very small group of individuals, you get increasingly dependent on those individuals and the actions that you take around them changes dramatically. I'll give you an example. If Billy was my only best friend in a set and Billy was not talking to me for a month, I'd probably freak out because I have no other people to talk to. So I would start messaging Billy. Hey, Billy, are you doing... But Billy's really busy that month. You know, he has like a couple of clients. He's getting ready. He's like, but Brendan like I'm busy right now. I could talk to you next week. And I go, Billy, why aren't you talking to me? So this is very dependent energy, desperate energy. Oh, I really need this person. Versus if you see the world as, wow, there's a thousand Billys to talk to. I had the incredible opportunity of knowing one of them. Let's go and explore where the other 999 billies are. The way you approach, the way you interact, the way you engage with your existing relationships change. Mm. So for example, in that same context, let's say that did happen, you're really busy that month. I would have said, no worries. Talk to you next month. No worries. Take your time, Billy. Right? You're a busy guy, completely understand. And there's one friend of mine named Dio, a really good friend of mine. And we talk every six weeks, And we don't talk outside of those six weeks. We don't text or nothing, but we get on a call every six weeks. Imagine if one of the other or the other person was super dependent and said, Brent, I need to talk to you every day. (laughs) I wouldn't like that person. I would like that person a lot less. So I would encourage people to really see relationships as a numbers game. And I don't mean transactionally at all. I mean, being more open, being more vulnerable, sharing more of yourself to the world so you can have more high quality relationships in your life to rely on around you. And that's why the one thing I give myself credit for is my support system is really strong. So if something mm-hmm. bad happens to me, they quickly fix me up in like 24 hours. And that's why my mental health is really strong. And I, encourage, I want that for everybody, Billy. Really. That's why yeah. I encourage you to have more conversations and realize that at the end of the day, there's high quality relationships and people around and you just have to have more conversations. I should
0: start talking to more people than you. You really should,
1: actually. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, it's
0: funny, man, because I think there's this idea and concept that I learned, I don't know when, probably about 10 years, eight years ago, it's having your own personal board of directors. There's two ways you could do it. You could have personal board of directors in an imaginary sense. If you read Think and Grow Rich, you can literally think of people who you admire, who you know because you've studied them, because you know and understand the way they think. And then you could literally visualize talking to them. And then a, a very different type of personal board of directors are people who are close to you, who you have really strong relationships with, who you can ask for feedback, advice, anything that you need to help give you the support you need, as you said, to have the mental health, to have the clarity, to have the things necessary to thrive and to be in a very good headspace. And so, The other thing that's really interesting that you talked about was this idea of when somebody's needy, when somebody is over the top, obsessed with another person, it's like dating, right? People want what they can't have and they push back people that are over the top, obsessed. If somebody is showing signs of neediness, most people push that away. And it's true in a relationship, love-wise, just as it's true in business. And so I think we need to be really mindful of how we show up and and how we might, even if it's not intentional, how we might be perceived as being ultra needy or in some ways obsessed with other people, even if we love them and we really wanna be around them. So understanding that psychological perspective on things is really, really important because if you want people to like you, if you if you want, people to want to have you in their orbit, you can't go too far because they'll resist that. The more you push, the more they resist. And so how do you know? How do you know if you're falling into that trap? I think it's partially EQ and understanding other people on an emotional level. And part of it is self-awareness. And those things go hand in hand together because the more aware you are, of your own, I guess, how you show up. And the more aware you are of the other person and the signals they're putting off, the more you'll be able to gauge whether or not you should throttle back. Because it's like you and me, we're a great example. Like we're, we became instant like friends and our friendship has become even bigger and better because we love collaborating. We love doing lives. We love working together. We love going on Clubhouse together. And it's like, it's mutual. Now, if one person was doing it and the other wasn't like, you and I are like, hey, let's do a live today. And if it was just me doing that to you, like, hey, Brendan, let's do a live. And you're like, oh, I got clients and this and that. And it's like, every day, Brendan, can we do a live today? <laughs> <laughs> Please, Brendan. We're, you're going to be resistant to that, right? And so you know yourself and know the other person and read the room. So let's go on. I'm going to really get as much juice from this orange as possible because it's a book. You took two days on it and we got some nuggets, but I want to I leave the audience wanting more. Yeah, read the book. But what else are some really, really key wow insight moments from the book?
1: Oh, you know, we can leave that for another time, Billy. You know, there's so much information, but you can, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm creating creating some mystique. I love it. I love it. This is a way to model what we've just talked about. (laughs) Just messing. One thing you made me think of, that's not really related to the book, but it's a harsh truth that most people don't really say. And I'll be the first one to say it. If you meet someone you admire, and you ask for a picture, you will never become them. They'll never admire you. They'll never see you as a column. Why? Because their friends aren't asking them for pictures. It's like if I met Billy the first time and I said, oh my God, Billy, I'm such a fan of yours. Can I please have a picture with you? And the way that the people you admire will perceive you will say, oh, this person's a fan. So I really want you to start really thinking. This is the most important tip that we'll share today is really figure out who you are. What are your values? What are you going to do in this world? What impact are you going to create, regardless of what other human beings want to do with their lives? Really you. Focus on your life. And then ask yourself a simple question. For the people that I admire, for the people I care about, and for the people that have impacted me, do I want to be their fan or do I want to be their colleague? Right. So most of the time when I go, and I remember I saw Gary Vaynerchuk a few years ago speak. I saw all these people running, running, running. Gary, could, I get, could you be on my podcast? Gary, you're my, you're my best friend. Blah, blah, blah. I got this from Jason, a guy named Jason. He was telling me this a few years ago. It was an interesting piece of feedback. And he was looking at all these people. And he was telling me, you know, Brandon, all these people, they're only going to be fans. Do you want to be one of those people? And I said, no. It's like, right. Because Gary's colleagues would never ask for a picture. So always ask yourself when you're meeting someone you admire, what would their friend do in that interaction? And if you start to do that, you'll really start to build a lot of self-confidence in yourself in a way that most people aren't really thinking proactively about. And you'll also start to feel really good in your skin because you'll say, wait a second, even if I didn't have a relationship with this person or this person never knew who I was. It doesn't really matter because I'm me. I still have my vision. I still have the want the mission I'm driving toward, and I'm still going there anyways. Mm-hmm.
0: And as you said, right, it's the difference between being a fan. You said colleague, I was thinking peer, they equate to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that you mentioned earlier, which made me think about as a podcast host, you can have the want-itis that you've described, where I really want The Rock to be on my show, Right. Lewis has the wantitis maybe for The Rock, but if he really only cared about that, it would prevent him from doing all the other things that he's capable of doing. The Rock's just one person. And yes, probably every podcaster wants to get The Rock because, you know, how many podcasts is The Rock actually going on? So you, you do feel special if you land that amazing, you know, you, you land somebody like that, right, of that caliber. But there are eight, nearly 8 billion people on this planet. And if you focus, all your attention on one person, and this could be as a podcast guest, a business partner, a, part, a love partner, you're missing all the other fish in the sea. And because you are so myopically focused on this one particular person, it's it's actually causing more harm than good. Now, I'm all in favor of having vision and goals and aspirations and really believing that anything is possible that you could get Barack Obama on your podcast. You could get someone else that's just seems elusive. Don't do it at the expense of understanding that you could go and get so many other amazing, talented people as well. And so to the spirit of this prompt, which is the art of being more interesting, what else can we explore? What other avenues haven't we explored? Because I love the elusiveness and the, uh, the mysteriousness that you've described maybe a Freudian slip there, but the mysterious nature to the way you approach it. When you think of the people who are interesting in your life, what are they doing right? So Brendan, what other things stand out from a perspective of the people who you've observed who are interesting, who, who you think model the things that could help people listening right now?
1: Absolutely. I would say the lining thread between all of them, because they're all very different, is they all have a unique perspective on how the world should be that I just find fascinating, or have opinions that are unique and interesting that I don't hear from everyone else. So most of the time when we have conversations with other people, Billy, or just in general, right, with human beings, is the story is generally just the same thing over and over and over again. Hi, how's it going? Good, you? Good. What do you do? And we're already bored of the conversation, right? That's generally how most interaction works. Hmm. Whereas the people I find that are the most fascinating are generally very tacky. They have their own way of doing things, but more specifically, they have unique answers to questions. So, one person that comes off the top of my head right now, he's someone. I mean, the person I admire the most, right, Lewis House. He's one of the, those people I find him fascinating because his mission, his interest in the world, is to inspire 100 million people a week through his podcast. That's fascinating. It's unique. Why? Why do you have that mission? It creates intrigue. Why are you doing that? Same thing with. Vinod Kosla, right? Or Peter Diamandis, right? The guy who wrote all these incredible books. Or Vishen Lakhiani, the founder of, of Mindvalley, whose goal is to elevate the world's consciousness. What a fascinating, odd vision for somebody. We're always drawn towards people who are different. People who are going on their own path or more specifically a path that very few people go on. And we tend to be attracted to those people mm. more often. So what I encourage people to do, because we all have this, These people aren't special. They're incredible human beings. They've achieved a lot in their life. But they're not that different from you. But the difference between them and us is that they made the decision to go all in, to lean into that uniqueness, but also to communicate that uniqueness. The second piece is the most important. To communicate that uniqueness more often, more frequently, as they engage in conversations with other people. Whereas most of us tend to hide our uniqueness. Why? because we want to fit in. Mm. Oh, you know, and Billy asked me a question, I, I don't know if you remember the first conversation we had, I'm sure you do. Basically what happened in the conversation, I asked Billy what he did and he went through a lot of the incredible accomplishments. You know, he was an award-winning film director. He's a Tesla executive, did all these incredible things. And then he asked me what I did. And the answer I gave him, I just said, oh, I live in my mom's basement. And he just laughed. And he was like, who's this guy? Like, who- who am I talking to that? Sam introduced me to. And he asked me more questions about me. Whereas most people, when they're talking to a Billy-esque character who is extremely handsome and very well accomplished, <laughs> we they, they tend to want to reply with, Well, um, well, Billy, um, I have a YouTube channel called Master Talk. And this YouTube channel is here to help millions of people across the world with their communication skills instead of just taking it easy. And just realizing that the other person online is just a human being too. Mm. So I just made a joke about, yeah, I just live in my mom's base because it's true. But notice how I'm comfortable in my skin as I communicate that. Most people wouldn't. Most people would be embarrassed that they lived in their mom's base. Whereas me, it's like, no, that makes perfect sense because she's right there and I can spend time with her every single day. So that's the point I really want to draw out is take the unique perspective you already have in your life and share it more frequently with the world. And I promise you, if you do that, two things will happen. One you'll start to detract from many people around you who are your friends. They're going to say, oh, I really don't like this Brandon guy. But at the same time, a lot of other people will go, hey, I really want to spend time with this person. That's what I encourage you to do because that is the key to not just being more interesting, but also being more happy. So you're not stressed Mm -hmm. out every time you're meeting somebody new. Yeah,
0: and I feel like there's like two sort of core components to what you just shared. On one hand, there's the boring conversation piece. And on the other hand, they're, and, and they're, they're, they're very close. So how do you avoid having kind of the expected conversation? Cause if you have the expected conversation, it's like, how's the weather? Where are you from? What do you do? Blah, 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 blah. Then there's the other component, which I, I dovetails nicely into what you shared about people like Lewis, like Gary, like any number of people they have, you know, Chris Doe, they have an audacious mission And that, I think, is something that makes them unique or interesting. Like, their vision, their path, the mission that they're on makes them interesting. But a question I have for you is, does it make it interesting to you, Brendan? Or does it make them
1: interesting to everyone? Ah, so definitely the first one. I mean, that's definitely something I'm personally interested in. But I also think the world is more interested in that. In the same way, why? with so many very successful software engineers, people who could have been paid a quarter of a million dollars a year, $300,000 a year, why did they go work for Elon Musk on this thing called SpaceX? Why do these people go work for visionary entrepreneurs when they could have a much safer life, make a lot more money on the table, but why do they make those decisions? Because they're so inspired by the person behind the company, the person behind the idea, the vision, the crusade, that they're going after. So yeah, I definitely think most of us would be interested in that, not just me. But the other piece I want to add is being a visionary, someone who has a unique point of view about the world, someone who wants to make a difference in the world, doesn't need to be SpaceX or Tesla or a Facebook or a big company either. It just needs to be special to you. Mm. I'll give you an example. Crazy. It
0: goes back to that confidence piece that you talked about before.
1: Yeah. And I'll give you this great example. Uh, When I was at the vault, it's an event that's hosted by a guy named Patrick, but David, it's an incredible conference. Check it out. I was talking to a group of pizza owners, like they own two to three pizza franchises. So obviously when you, I'm like, okay, what's a pizza owner? Honestly, I was just like, what, what's the thing? But after 10 minutes of speaking to him, I was really fascinated by these two individuals because they were so obsessed with pizza, so obsessed that we had pizza for dinner. And then as we were eating dinner, one of them comes up to me, literally goes, opens a crust and goes, smell it. <laughs> she literally does that. I was, so at the, at the beginning, I was shocked. But then after a couple of seconds, I was like, I kinda like her. And I started sniffing the, the bread. I literally started smelling, I was like, I never did this in my life. And she's like, what does it smell like? And I was like, bread? She's like, exactly. See Domino's and all these other pizza companies, it's all about yeast but this pizza store is good because you don't feel stuffed when you, do you feel stuffed, Brendan? I was like, no. It's like, exactly. The pizza's really good here. So we approve. And I just went, these people are really interesting. I like these people. And we're still in touch. They're great. But the point I want to drive is they're leaning into their uniqueness. their obsession, which happens to be pizza crusts and building a pizza store and managing them. <laughs> but they're so obsessed about it. Yeah. That vision, that excitement percolates that energy Percolates to other people. There's a quote on this that I forgot who the quote is. So uh, someone will have to add that in, in the show notes. But the quote is, what we need more in this world beyond anything else is more human beings feeling alive. That is what the world is missing the most. Human beings who actually feel alive. who are alive we're passionate, we're energetic. That's what we need in this world. And that energy doesn't need to be this. It could also be the introverted version of that as well, where we're still sharing that excitement. I think that's what the world is missing the most. And that's when people see it, people get attracted to it, people get excited by it, people want to follow it and get to know them.
0: Boom. What a way to end. And I, I love that quote. And I'll add that quote. I think
1: there's a, another version of that quote. So the quote is by Mr. Howard Thurman. The quote is, don't ask what the world needs. Yeah, that's it. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Howard Thurman, that's the quote. Boom,
0: boom. But you had the spirit of it and uh, and that's what matters. And I think there really is a few through lines that stand out. So first, stylistically or through conversation, Be unique. Do something that's going to make yourself stand out. To listen more than you speak, so that you're making people feel like a rock star, so that you're investing in them. You're really truly listening and you help them understand why you find what they're doing, what they are coming alive doing and passionately loving doing, why that inspires you, why you think that's amazing. And then Beyond all of that is this idea of understanding that we as human beings, we gravitate towards people who are going to do things that are memorable, that allow them to walk away like you've done and tell a story about somebody because they did something that is not normal, is unusual, like smelling the pizza crust, right? You're telling that story for a reason. This person was interesting. They did something that you didn't expect. And the element of surprise is so, so important and something that I'm deeply passionate about because we tune out the things that are the same. Why do we do this? We're hardwired to do this. We're hardwired to frankly forget anything that is the same. For the same reason that we, when we drive from point A to point B, and we do this drive all the time, Sometimes we forget that we actually drove. We forgot that we went from point A to point B. We can't even remember the drive because we're on autopilot. Well, most of us are going through life on autopilot. And the only time that changes is when we change the environment, we change the surroundings. I don't know about you, but I remember my vacations more than just about anything else. Like if I'm working for a month, I'll probably forget like 90% of work if it's the same thing day in, day out when I go on a vacation, I'll remember every second of it because it's all new. And so when we're interacting with other people, take them on a vacation, take them to a new place. Don't go down the path that they expect you to go down, which is the boring, cliche, superficial conversations that just going to put them to sleep. Instead, think of a way or ways to give them an experience that they can't help but to share with other people or think about after you've gone. What did I miss, Brendan? Take us home.
1: No, absolutely. You pretty much nailed all of it. It's a great summary. So what I just wanted to share, Billy, is what's the key take? What are the three easy things that people can do tomorrow and implement? Yes, what are they? And I hope all of you do it. It's not an easy thing, but I hope you do it. Number one is make a list of the 10 quirkiest things about you. One, three Or do you eat chalk? Do you put ketchup on your eggs? Do you want to start <laughs> that's a business? not that weird. Ketchup actually, on the
0: eggs is not that weird. That's you really eat weird. Chalk? For
1: Canadian, eats chalk.
0: For those who don't know, brendan's a chalk eater, a closet chalk eater.
1: Kind of tasty, and it's kind of like random just, ah, again, chalk eater, is, right? Eating chalk. Smell bread. Smell <laughs> <laughs> bread. Clearly,
0: he smells bread.
1: <laughs> right. So for me, it's like you know, I love Justin Bieber. I like dancing alone in my basement. I love nightclubbing. Like that's one of my favorite things to do. I don't drink. I just dance five hours straight and I go to bed and get a great exercise out of it. But the, And I don't spend anything at the nightclub either, which is another He's thing. It's very cheap. Brendan's very cheap. cheap. Absolutely. I'm very smart with my money. He spends
0: money on v-neck sweaters. That's the only thing he spends money on. <laughs> that's not a v-neck actually, but you know.
1: It. Whatever, whatever it's called. But it is the point is, make a list of those 10 quirky things. And then number two, rank them by easiest to share versus hardest to share. And then number three is to share one of those things at a time to everyone around you and see how they react. And that's the magic, and this is what I'm grateful for, and I really want for everyone else, Billy, is I'm someone that I can confidently say all of those 10 things, everyone who's closest to me knows all of those 10 things. And they think I'm weird as shit, but they love me anyways. And it's those 10 people who know pretty much everything about my life that give me the confidence to just be who I want to be. Because if person number 12 doesn't like me, well, those 10 people over there who really like the full version of Brendan, so I can just keep moving forward as if nothing happened. And I want that for every human being, because unfortunately, most people don't have that.
0: Okay. So that right there is super actionable and something that people can immediately do, right? So come up with a list of questions. Think about which, which ones are the easiest to do and then go share it. I thought you were going to say two more after that. So now I'm wondering, okay, I want like two more action steps. I was like, okay, that's, I feel like that's all one with three parts. Mm. So what's two and three that somebody could be doing right now?
1: Absolutely. I would say the other piece is, is what we call the top 10 rule. So the top 10 rule is super simple. Generally people you know that you'd love the most generally know other people that you'll also enjoy spending time with. So what I would encourage you all to do is make a list of the top 10 people in your network and start introducing them to each other. Because when you do that, you'll be able to start those conversations a lot faster and get into those quirky qualities about you in the the step one and share those more. So the reason that I was able to share with Billy that I lived in my mom's basement, I, I really had no filter in that conversation. It's not because of magic or random chance. It's because he was an introduction from one of my top tens. So I know if Sam Kamani makes an introduction to somebody, the person that I'm being introduced to, is probably pretty chill, pretty easygoing individual. And if they're not, I would go back to Sam and say, why did you introduce me to this person? <laughs> which hasn't happened yet, uh, which is why uh, Sam is such a great source of high quality people. So that's why I go deep really fast with those people. So that's step two, is make a list of the top 10 people in your network. And top 10 doesn't mean money or status, just means people you personally find interesting and then have those people introduce others to each other. That would be step two.
0: I love it. And I'll give step three. Step three is take an accounting of the interactions that you have and be real honest with yourself. Am I having a boring cliche conversation that they could have had with somebody else? If they could have this exact conversation with somebody else, is that the conversation you should be having? And I want everybody to recognize that there are only so many minutes that you're on this planet, literally. Like, we don't know what that number is. We don't, none of us know. I mean, maybe some people, oh, I only have six months to live. Okay. You might have a rough estimate, right, of how much longer you have. But for most of us, we have no clue. It could be 20 years, 50 years, 80 years. We just don't know. But what we do know is that everyone has an expiration date, everyone will be gone at some point. And so you have a choice to make. Do you spend the moments that you have doing what other people are going to do or do you spend those moments doing what only you can do and only the types of conversations that only you can have? Think about it. So take an accounting of the conversations you're having. Be really conscious. When you're done with your next conversation, when it's an introduction conversation, You just met somebody on LinkedIn or you just got introduced to somebody. Think back and reflect immediately after having that conversation and write down what went well, what didn't go well, what were those conversations that were just recycled nonsense versus what was really unique and different. And when it's unique and different, that's when it's interesting. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. Thanks for joining. Until next time, make it a great one. We'll talk to you all very, very soon. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.